Hey, everyone. It's Aubrey Bergauer. Yesterday was the launch of my new book, Run It Like a Business, Strategies for Arts Organizations to Increase Audiences, Remain Relevant, and Multiply Money Without Losing the Art. It's for people who want to grow audiences and keep them coming back again, make our organizations more inclusive, get younger attendees in the seats and on the donor rolls, and generate millions more dollars in revenue in order to continue to create the art we love without the stress of figuring out how to afford it. To celebrate, we put together something special for you. A live show we recorded just last night at the book launch party here in San Francisco. It's a conversation with myself and Kelly Harris, executive director of Hate Street Art Center. Really quickly, the Hate Street Art Center serves San Francisco's thriving poster art and artist communities. This goes all the way back to the 1960s, 1970s, during the Summer of Love and the origins of the rock poster art scene here in San Francisco. Today, the center not only houses an impressive collection of this iconic artwork, they also serve the community with exhibitions rooted in San Francisco counterculture and social justice through educational programs with screen printing and poster making in their on-site print studio and their traveling pop-up print studio, and through cultural development programs and activism projects. Drawing upon art, music, and social and political counterculture history, Hate Street Art Center provides a space that bridges communities through social activism and artistic expression. Welcome everybody to the Hate Street Art Center. You are in our print studio slash event space for this evening. I am so excited to have the chance to talk with my friend and colleague, Aubrey Bergauer, about her amazing new book, which I've learned so much from you guys. This book is incredible, How to Run It Like a Business. Aubrey, you've been influencing audiences for years, including myself, the Steve Jobs of classical music. I mean, who gets to have that title? Thank you for all the work you've done for arts nonprofits. My question to start is really, why a book and why now? Well, first off, thank you. So generous. Thank you all for being here. I just like really um, feel in the love and support. So thank you guys. Um, but why a book? Why now? Why all this topic? A couple reasons. One, so many of us in the room know post-pandemic, every arts organization wants their audiences back. And one reason for this book, though, was because the trends that are in place with audiences really were in place before the pandemic even ever hit. And the pandemic really accelerated and exacerbated a lot of the challenges that the arts and culture industry was already facing. So that was sort of thing one, why now, to say let's, let's address these challenges. And thing two, reason two for the book is I started realizing as I was thinking about the different challenges affecting the sector, not just getting audiences back, but how do we use digital content? How do we retain our customers? I started realizing so many of those challenges have been successfully solved by for-profit businesses. And over the years, just really learning that there are so many things that we can learn from our for-profit counterparts and that we can adopt and employ as strategies of our own. So all of that combined came together as, let's run it like a business. All right, well, I'm gonna jump right in because chapter one, for those of you who are in arts organizations, um, we know how important the newcomer experience is. And I'm just entering my third year here at the Art Center. And so this is really important to me. I'm hoping that you can talk a little bit about the newcomer experience and start off with that. So many times, at arts organizations, we 
because we love the art and we as administrators are familiar with the art, we design experiences for people like us who also love the art, who also know a lot about the art, whatever the art is, whether that is visual art, performance art, you know, theater, classical music, you know, pick your, pick your discipline, dance. And yet, over the years through user experience research, that's a lot of what we talk about in chapter one, talk about a concept borrowed from the business world, user experience research, we learned that the experience isn't always welcoming to newcomers, isn't always helpful to newcomers, meaning there's a big knowledge gap often about what we know about our art form and what a newcomer knows about our art form. So creating a newcomer experience is really about how do we fill in that knowledge gap? How do we help somebody who's experiencing our art for the first time, our venue for the first time, to not feel intimidated? That was a word that came out a lot when we would do focus group research. I feel intimidated, I feel like I don't belong. These are negative emotions nobody wants associated with their brand, whether you're a for-profit organization or a non-profit organization. So newcomer experience is really about breaking all of that down. How do we center the customer? That's another way to say it. How do we center our customer? When for hundreds of years we've been centering the art, perfecting the art, we have such a high quality product. And then the newcomer experience is really about how do we take that great product and not sacrifice it, but also center what a newcomer is experiencing. I mean, and this is so interesting because when you think about messaging, how people understand what you do and why you do it, one of the things I've learned from the book um, is really about how you market and brand yourself. And I actually realized I was making a huge mistake. And I had received feedback from several people, and one of my good friends who's in the beauty industry has nothing to do with the art industry, and this is another reason why this all crosses over. I'm doing this as a funder saying, donate now. The urgency is now, big green button, donate here, exclamation point. You have one chance, do it now, save the arts. And so I think I'm pushing all this content and I'm like, wow, people are really gonna, they're gonna engage with this. This is so important, this is so important, it's now. I'm also thinking, this is my one chance for them to understand what we're doing. So I'm including this text heavy e-blast with these huge buttons, but I'm not really sending anyone to any other location. And I'll let you take it from here, but the success story is I did take some advice from the book. And when I looked at the numbers of how many people clicked through and actually went to our website, and they maybe even bought something from the gallery shop, it would never have gone to that space. So I'll let you talk a little bit more about that, but I just wanted to let you know that was one thing that was so important that I learned from yeah, the book. Yeah, thank you for that. I think it really it put together some of this um, whether it's newcomer experience or just customer experience in general, we tend to use a lot of words <laughs> in the arts, whether it's a long email blast or a big donate now button. And this is also coming back to user experience research. What we learned is that grown adults, smart grown adults, educated grown adults, grown adults that self-identify as attending lots of live entertainment experiences, they do this user experience research and they started telling us Things like, wow, your website reads like inside baseball. So many words I don't understand when I go to your website. So many words that for us in the, like working in the art form were words that we use all the time. In classical music, it was words like concerto. It was words like names of the instruments in the orchestra or composer names. And again, smart, grown, educated adults said, I don't know what these words mean. And that was a real eye-opening experience. And we learned on the heels of that, things like 
yeah, also we're not gonna take the time to read a bunch of stuff and go look it up. Like you have, we want to learn, we want to understand, but reading like a whole long email about it or something like that is not, is not what's gonna be helpful to us. We need content, we need digital, we need, you know, pick another medium to help, again, fill in that knowledge gap and make it more approachable. And so some of what you're talking about in, toward the beginning of the book is this like, yeah, we don't need to, you know, blast the neon lights, donate now, but we do need to help people learn because people want to learn. And I think that's a big difference over, here's a bunch of artist names, shouldn't you like this? Yeah, and I think that's, that's just so interesting because also the messaging, the content of what we're, we're putting out, one of the things the Art Center is doing is you experience is we have this amazing bicycle and we go out into community. We don't have people walking by the Art Center. You can see we're at the bottom of Haight Street. So really what we're trying to do is drive traffic into the center so we created this new opportunity for people to learn about what we do up here in the print studio and possibly even engage in classes and education here. But one of the things that we're doing now more than ever is capturing these on-site experiences and making sure people see themselves represented in that activity. So people know that this is something they can come and do and enjoy, it's accessible, it's exciting, but we're also driving traffic back to the center. And so another piece that you, that you speak about is this digital media piece of capturing this um, you know, through video and sharing it out and allowing people to see themselves represented in this activity. So thank you for that. Yeah, I think this is something you all do exceptionally well. And this idea of talk about centering the customer, you literally take a bicycle out into the community and let people have a tactile experience with your art form. I think that's amazing. I think any art form that can combine a tactile experience with what they present is uh, engaging people in a different way and then capturing that, being able to push it back out onto digital, check, check, check for Hate Street Art Center. And I think something else that you all do that I, I wanna turn it back on you if I can is this idea in the book, it's called Vertical Integration. And the topic from the business world of vertical integration is how do you bring under one roof different revenue streams, everybody in the arts wants new revenue streams, more revenue streams, how do you bring under one roof more revenue streams, different revenue streams that typically would exist under different roofs? So I'll give a business example and then I want you to tell what you're doing here. So Amazon is like the king of this. At Amazon, they used to outsource shipping and warehousing, right? Eventually they brought that under one roof. We call that Amazon Prime. Amazon eventually needed, or first they hosted their website elsewhere. Then they decided to bring that under their roof. We call that Amazon Web Services. AWS is now the largest internet hosting provider in the world, I believe. You know, then they said, oh, what about the goods that we sell? Then they came out with Amazon Basics. They brought that in-house. And so Amazon has just been the king of like bringing these new revenue streams under their roof. And it's just helped their business scale monetarily dramatically. So how does this apply to an arts organization? Arts organizations, I think our biggest area of opportunity is this education piece. And so often at almost any artistic discipline that I've learned about over the course of researching this book, we often do education for children. No problem with that. But what about grown adults? If somebody wants to learn to play an instrument as a grown adult, there's not a lot of ways to get exceptional teaching. Like you either have to major in music in school or you don't have access to that kind of quality teacher. 
And what you all have done is started to really embrace this idea of vertical integration and really taking the education piece. Yes, it's helpful for first timers, but it's also something you've been able to monetize. So can I turn it back to you and have you share more about this? I think that's great, yeah. Okay. So, you know, with the bicycle going out into community, we're also we're spreading activism, really. So we pop up at FoodWise, down at the farmer's markets. We work with artists to talk a little bit about activism, but we also engage people in, you know, the art of screen printing. Um, and we've found that so many people have, in post-pandemic, really are missing that tactile group experience of creating art, pulling the ink through the screen. You pull the ink through the screen, you're closer to whatever it is, the activism, everything that you do. If it's your own artwork, you're even more excited about what you're producing, right? <clears throat> so we decided, you know, we, we wanted to grow the membership model at the Art Center. So we created a way to engage people in memberships to utilize the print studio here with our experts um, in screen printing. So our first class size was around, you know, three to four people. And they're very interested in printing their own art, but it's a beginner class. And the more of these pop-ups we were doing, the more folks we were engaging with, the more people were coming and having interest in signing up for these classes. So now we're, we're full. We're full for the spring. And the cool thing that we're doing is we're offering these beginner classes, but then we're also taking them to the next intermediate level. So they're doing a two-color process. And then the advanced level will engage with another one of our artists in our network to learn a little bit more about how they might market their prints. Where can they sell these? Can they create an exhibition on their own? So it's really this process of leading people through a program that's growing and also supporting membership. But the foundation of this is really in poster art. And you know, if you saw the posters downstairs in the exhibition, they're both historical and contemporary. So we also have education classes for young folks to learn a little bit about the poster. And one of the most interesting things is the typography that you see in psychedelic posters, right? So we also provide classes for youth here. And when we're really winning, we're doing an intergenerational connection. So they're learning a little bit about the artists who um, kicked off this whole psychedelic scene. And then they're creating their own poster. And if they're in conversation with those folks, we have still, still several of them um, that contribute to the programming here that come and do workshops and Q&As and get people more interested in creating their own artwork. Um, and that's what we're doing. I think that connects so many themes in the book. That's why I get excited about what you're doing here because we talked about newcomer experience. You're bringing people in. You're out in the community. You're capturing that content. You are then... Uh, you built a membership model around the pe uh, like the people who are very interested in that experience. You have also monetized the education part of it, so it's bringing new people in. But you're also monetizing the people who say, "Yeah, I want to learn how to like develop my craft." At that, that's vertical integration, and I just think you all are just crushing it. So for what that's worth. Well, thanks. But here's the problem. So we have them in the door, and then my biggest issue is is the retention piece. So how do we get people to come back? Even, you know, we, we do not charge admission here. So our exhibitions are always free. And so that revenue stream becomes really important. Can we talk a little bit more about the book and, and that piece? Retention, I think, in many ways is... This is chapter two, by the way. Uh, retention, in many ways, is, is one of those topics that I really started looking at the business world and seeing so much success at the strategies they were employing. And 
this is things like the membership and subscription economy. And so much of what we consume as consumers is, is based on the membership economy. So we're talking our Netflix subscription, Amazon again, our, you know, like my toothbrush literally gets delivered to my door on subscription, right? Like everything is pretty much available these days on subscription. And so I was researching the book and uncovered that literally 20% of all global credit card transactions go toward a subscription or a membership for all of us. I see nodding heads. You're like, yeah, I saw my credit card bill. And that is, that is correct. And what I started trying to unpack is why is the subscription model working for all of these other sectors? And yet subscriptions and memberships in the arts, we say they're on the decline or some people would even say the subscription model is dead. And I thought these two things just do not compute. Like they, I don't understand. So it turns out on this topic of retention of subscriptions and memberships, there are some things that these thriving brands are doing differently than the rest of us in the arts. And so then that became the sort of model for this whole chapter. And then how do we adopt these strategies? It's not rocket science. There are some really pretty simple basic things in my opinion we could be doing that these other brands are already successfully employing. And I'll just wrap it up by saying it starts with that first visit. How do you collect the information? How do you then invite them back again? And every time I speak it out loud, it sounds maybe very simple, but somehow this idea of extending an invitation to come back and not upselling too much too soon, not donate now yet, but just will you come back, that's a different ask. And so that's what that chapter is all about, is how do we bring a, a customer, a patron, along a journey from their first visit with us to inviting them back, to introducing a membership or subscription model, eventually a donation ask, and on and on. That's so important. And then I think that's so interesting in the book too, there's all these case studies because whether you are in the arts with you know, visual art um, or if you're in the beauty industry, I think it's so interesting how you're able to tie this all together and it's, like, it's so accessible and important um, information for us to all have. Um, can you talk a little bit about some of the case studies that really are sort of important um, for this audience to know about? Yeah, I think not only does every chapter talk about a strategy from the quote-unquote business world, so there's plenty of case studies from for-profit and data that's brought in, but every chapter I discovered also as I was putting all this together and researching, every chapter features one or more case studies of arts organizations that are adopting that strategy already and have been and have nailed it and are seeing the results because of it. So I get so excited when I think about this part because yes, we're trying to take inspiration from outside the arts and bring it in, but there are organizations across all kinds of artistic disciplines, visual arts, performance arts, uh, membership and service organizations across our entire cultural sector that are doing these strategies and have been and they're crushing it. They're seeing the results. And so I got to write about all of that good news too, which really, really gave me just so much hope and encouragement for the future of our sector. Well, speaking of that, I think it's just, it's so exciting to have you here. And um, I know we're all really anxious to get to the book. I mean, I want to tell you, I've gotten, I'm almost through it. And obviously we've, there's certain chapters that we really focus on together, but I want to make sure that all of you take home a copy tonight. And if you have already purchased your book, thank you so much for supporting. Um, 
And the, the Hay Street Arts Center is really lucky to have Aubrey here. Um, she's helped me immensely. Um, we did our first impact report this year. We're a baby organization. And so I just invite all of you who are thinking about growth right now, for you personally or for the organization that you're working with, this book is essential. It really is so timely and so important, and it's so relatable in so many ways. So, Aubrey, thank you for your time. I don't know if there's a few last words that you want to throw out there to the audience. I just want to also add my gratitude and thanks. I just like look out and see so many, just a mix of friends and colleagues and people I love in all of those categories. So truly, thank you all for being here. And uh, as Kelly mentioned, it's being recorded. So for everybody listening later, just thank you all too. So really, thank you for doing this. It's, it's a pleasure. Great, and thank you. And please join us downstairs um, for your book signing opportunity. We'd love to have a chance to get to know you. And we are accepting new members. So if you pulled a screen front this evening and you love that experience, please see me after. We'll sign you right up. Anyway, thanks for coming, everybody. Thank you all. This special episode was recorded by Emma Markowitz and edited by Novo Music an audio production company of all women audio engineers and musicians. Special thanks to Hate Street Art Center for hosting this event. I'd be honored if you ordered a copy of my book, Run It Like a Business, Strategies for Arts Organizations to Increase Audiences, Remain Relevant, and Multiply Money Without Losing the Art. It's available wherever you like to buy books in pretty much every format out there, print, ebook, audiobook, it's all there. Thanks so much for listening. I hope this book and very soon season three of this podcast, yes, season three is coming, brings you tons of value. I can't wait to see you soon through the pages you turn. And of course, right here on the Offstage Mic. If you listen to this podcast regularly, you've heard me talk about how education programs present a huge opportunity to drive revenue for your organization. Whether you have an education program or offering that's already monetized or are interested in starting one, I'm excited to introduce you to CourseStorm. CourseStorm takes care of managing class registrations, collecting payments, and promoting your classes. It includes simple registration forms, built-in payment processing, and automated marketing tools. It literally takes just minutes to set up a catalog. CourseStorm also seamlessly integrates with ticketing and donor management platforms like Patron Manager, as well as hundreds of others through Zapier. Join arts organizations already using CourseStorm, like the Chicago Youth Symphony Orchestra, Princeton Academy of Art, Miami Theater Center, and others. The best part, though? CourseStorm's pricing is designed for your success. You never get a bill from CourseStorm. You only get payouts. And there's no contract or minimum time using the service required. How amazing is that? Visit CourseStorm.com slash Aubrey. That's C-O-U-R-S-E-S-T-O-R-M dot com slash Aubrey and set up a sample catalog or request a demo. With class registration and everything else taken care of through CourseStorm, you can focus on what's important, helping your patrons grow as artists and performers through education. And we're back. Today on Top Tunes, the music production... Is it just me, or does this sound terrible? Wait, I think I heard of someone who might be able to help us. There's this company called Novo Music. They provide across-the-board audio solutions, from recording repair, to audio editing, to original music, and sound design, and beyond. Well, what are we waiting for? Today on Top Tunes, the music... Now that's better. Novo Music. Conducting your creative vision. Find out more 
at novomusic.co.